Well, we're back, and it's good to be home. We got, uh, <laughs> we flew home yesterday at 11 o'clock, and we're seven-hour time difference, so I was doing everything I can to make myself stay awake till 8 p.m. last night, which would have been like, uh, what time would that have been? 3 a.m. in the morning for us, and uh, got up at 4 this morning. So we're a little backwards right now, but it's all good. Let me show you real quick what we did. I want to throw this map up here, and... Uh, you guys that can't see this screen right here, you'll you'll just have to listen to me very closely on the other screens. But this is this is Israel right here. You've got this the Sea of Galilee at the top, the big pond, and then down here you've got the Dead Sea in the bottom. So we flew into Tel Aviv, which is actually Joppa in the Old Testament map. It's also pronounced Jaffa. And we flew into Tel Aviv, we went up to Netanya and spent the first night there. And then we got up that next morning, went to Caesarea, Matrama, which is where um, Paul basically went to Cornelius and said the Gentiles can have this message as well. I'm giving you abbreviated. We went up to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, we were able to look out uh, Mount Carmel and see this is where Bell uh, challenged the, or excuse me, but... Uh, I just I said Baal. Who is it? Elijah challenged uh, all the prophets of Baal, and then we went over to Nazareth where Jesus grew up. We got to hang out in a synagogue. We came to Tiberias, which is on the Lake of Galilee, and we spent a couple nights there. Traveled to Capernaum, which is where he did his main ministry that we've talked about uh, as we've gone throughout the Gospels. We went up north, and it, it right here there is the border of Israel. Uh, you can see right here, this is actually Syria over here. It says Syria at the top, but this was the olden times. Now it's Lebanon. Lebanon is right up here, and we were on the border of Lebanon. We actually stood at the border there at, at Tel Dan and were able to look at the mountains of Lebanon. And we traveled over to Caesarea Philippi. It's all good. We traveled over to Caesarea Philippi, which is where Jesus stood on the base of the rock and said to Peter, upon this rock you will build my church. Not upon Peter the rock, but this rock that we're standing on. And then in the distance right behind them was Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is where he went up with Peter, James, and John and the whole transfiguration. Uh, and at that point, we're in Golan Heights. And if you read the news this week, I ran sent missiles over to bomb Golan Heights because it is a territory that is wanted to be uh, as re assumed by the Palestinians. So there was constant battle going on there, and you, I don't know if you saw exactly what happened, but Iran sent missiles over to Golan Heights. We were there like two or three days before, so we were down in Jerusalem at the time, so we didn't see any of this. But the missiles didn't get there. Because the Israeli army is, is so incredible and well-equipped that it intercepted all the missiles over Syria. And uh, basically what Iran did was, okay, we made the first attempt at hurting you. Israel says, you've given us the green light. And they sent uh, F-16s over there and just bombed them out of Iran. Like they're not going to be sending missiles over for a while. They gave Israel the green light. To, and all the time, we're down in Jerusalem walking around. No big deal. 
Nobody's alarmed. Nobody's freaking out. The only way freaking out is we come home at night and we turn on CNN. <laughs> and they're freaking out. And everything was cool. There was no alarms. There was no, there was no yellow light, orange light, no, nothing like that. No travel warnings. But they got F-16s like going on where we were just like two days before. So then we traveled down the Jordan River. We got to the Jordan River about right here across from Mount Tabor. And uh, this is where we actually baptized some of our people. You'll see pictures of that this morning. You'll see Pella right here, which is on the, on the east side of the Jordan. This is what we talked about the other day where the Hebrew Christians went after uh, about the 67 A.D. prophecy where they got out of Jerusalem and went and escaped and nobody was killed. They, they hung out in Pella right here. We came down the Jordan River uh, by Jericho. We went into Jerusalem for like three or four days, did all those things. You'll see Bethany's right there beside Jerusalem. It's just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. We went down to Bethlehem, which is under Palestinian control. Uh, you actually had to cross a border to get in from Israel to Palestine. If, this doesn't have, obviously this is not a modern map, but the West Bank kind of goes like this in this area right in here. And that's Palestinian control. There's another area down here on the Gaza Strip. Uh, so you've got, in Israel, you've got 65% Jews, 35% Muslim, and I think it's 5 to 7% Christians that live there. And they're constantly battling over the land, just as Keith says, this has been going on since Abraham, ever since Ishmael and Isaac. That's how, that's how, how this whole thing started, was from Abraham, and uh, it's going on and on and on, even to the day that we got to experience it. So then eventually we came down here to the Dead Sea, and we went to Masada. Masada's down here. This is a place that we can talk about later, that, that King Herod... King Herod built. King Herod built everywhere. He built up here. He built over here. He built down here. He, he rebuilt the Temple Mount. Uh, we went up to Qumran where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then on the last day on Friday, just Friday, we were over here in Elah Valley. This is where David and Goliath battled. And then we ended up in Jaffa and flew out of Tel Aviv Friday night. So we covered Israel. I mean, we covered a lot in just a, a short bit of time. Let me show you that next map. Uh, just so you can see exactly what I was talking about in that battle. Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee zoomed in. And there you can see Golan Heights, which is one of the areas that uh, is fought over all the time. Again, we were up here right on the Lebanon border. There's Mount Hermon where the transfiguration occurred. Uh, we actually came over into Golan Heights in this area right here where Caesarea Philippi is. So we were, there's the good picture of the West Bank right there too. So you can see all that. So we were right in the midst of the storm. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to go back to Israel was to take my wife and daughter. I wanted them to have this experience. And we're sitting there floating in the Dead Sea on, was that Friday? Thursday. Thursday, Thursday we're floating on the Dead Sea and everybody's floating together. And uh, they, the group asked me this question, so when are we coming back? I'm like, I've already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, which was to, give, was to get my family over here. You know, in my head, I'm sitting here saying this. And they're all thinking, we want our families to come back. We want our families and friends to come back. Because you can't explain, you can't explain what you experience over there. 
I'm not into like the whole, we're not into the whole church thing, you know, they build churches and Church of the Holy Eucharist. That's not what this is about. Uh, If we could try to explain it, we're going to do it here in a short video uh, of our little experience. Uh, Jim David did a phenomenal job. You'll see he did take a drone over there. He did get a drone license for Israel. And there were, uh, and so you'll see the bits and pieces of that in this video. But uh, just watch our little experience here.
Um, kind of an emotional experience. Uh, I worship Jesus. I I don't worship where he walked. But to take my family and my friends over there, and when they open their Bibles and they read their Bibles and they go, I've been there. I've seen this place. They, you read your Bible in a whole different way. In fact, uh, it may even encourage you to read your Bible. And it's the whole reason that I go over there is that, I, as you know, when we teach, we try to make this whole thing come alive. It, it was real. It, this really happened. Our guide was like one of the best guys. Ronnie was phenomenal. He's an archaeologist, and uh, he let you know, you know, this is tradition. But this really happened right here. We know this happened. We know that Jesus stood right here on these steps and healed a blind man. We know that. And so I don't know when I'm going back, uh, but I will go back. It's a lot of money. It's worth every penny. Worth every penny. Start saving. Uh, On Friday, we had a free day, and I wanted to take my kids to the Holocaust Museum. Uh, many of you have done that here in Washington, D.C. In fact, the D.C. Museum is probably even better than the one in Israel. But I, I just didn't know how much my uh, kids understood about what the whole Holocaust was. And so I'm walking with Chloe to the Holocaust Museum, and I'm trying to explain, trying to, explain to her about what actually happened. That the, the Jews have been exiled in fact show, show this one picture here they've been exiled uh since the uh all the way back from Egypt Babylonia the Persians the Romans the Greeks they've this is Israel down here in the bottom right corner it's 501,000 or 401,000 Jews live there this is during the time of like 19 late 1930s to the 1940s during World War II. 
These are what these numbers are from. You can see that over 3 million lived in Poland, over 3 million lived in the Soviet Union, but they were displaced, and they've always been displaced. And I tried to explain to Chloe that, that Hitler came in and had tried to take domination over the whole European country, and by doing that, he was going to eliminate the Jews. He was just going to destroy them. And he did that through the Holocaust. And the crazy thing is, as we're going through the museum, that he was able to kill millions of people. I mean, you show the next map, and it shows the number of people that died. Estimated death toll of the country from 39 to 45. Uh, in Poland, 90% of them were killed. In Ukraine, 61% were killed. Romania, 300,000 were killed. It, it just is phenomenal, but you try to explain this. And then... I said to Chloe, I said, but here's the thing that you're not going to hear in the, in the museum. As this wasn't Hitler's plan. This was Satan's plan. Satan just used Hitler to eliminate Jews. He, he's used leaders throughout the beginning of time to try to eliminate the Jews. And it takes us exactly to where we are in the Gospels. It, it takes us right there to, to where we are. Now, there, there was crazy things that were going on there to make, <clears throat> to make Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Uh, you, try, you, you try to explain it, the Jews are ecstatic about it. They are ecstatic about Donald Trump. That tomorrow, Trump is moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Look at this picture. Yeah, that's in Jerusalem. Like, they, they literally believe that they are coming back. The Jews are able to come back to Jerusalem and claim it. Here's the big difference. The scripture says that they will come back. But when they come back, they will call on the name of Messiah. They will believe this is not that time. You hear me? This is, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're being called back. They're raising the flag. They're walking on the temple mounts. They're trying to claim everything back. But they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Oh, the next picture, we, uh, walking down the streets. Tomorrow is a big day. In Jerusalem. It's a big day in Jerusalem. I asked the dude, I'm like, where are you from? Thinking he was going to say New York. He goes, right here. He's from Jerusalem. And he's just excited that America is saying that Jerusalem actually is the capital of Israel. That they're moving the embassy. It's crazy. That's what's going on. But watch what happened. I'll just touch on a few scripture right here. Let me take you back to the prophet Jeremiah first. The prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31 says this. This is what the Lord says. The one who gives the sun for light by day. The fixed order that's fixed. Like every day the sun's coming up. The moon's coming up every day. The fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night. Who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar. The Lord of armies is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me. This is the Lord's declaration. In other words, if this stops, if the sun, the moon, and the stars stop, 
then so does this declaration. Only then will Israel's descendants cease to be a nation before me forever. In other words, it isn't ever going to happen, you guys. The, the Israelites will never cease being a nation by God. Unless all of a sudden Satan figures out how to extinguish the sun, the moon, and all the stars. It's pretty crazy. We talked just two weeks ago about the four unconditional covenants that the Lord made. He made the, the Abrahamic covenant, which was basically to say there will be many descendants and you will have this land. This will be your land. He promised that to Abraham. And then there was the Palestinian covenant. He said, he said to them that they will be able to come back into this land. But in reference to this, it's talking to them as when they're believers. Not only will you come back in this land, but all your possessions and all the things that you need to be blessed with will be returned to you. And then there was the Davidic covenant where he made a covenant to David and said, the king will come through your lineage. The Messiah will come through David's lineage. And then, of course, there's the new covenant. The new covenant is basically to say, look, I'm going to take your old heart out, put a new heart in. That whole Old, old Testament, the, the old covenant, the Ten Commandments, everything, you'll have a spirit within you. You'll have a spirit within you that uh, you don't have to wear the law on your head or on your arm or anything like that, but it's going to be right there. It's going to be right there. Those are the four unconditional covenants that he made, and he promised that this would happen. I skip down to Jeremiah thirty-three nineteen. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that the day and night cease to come at their regular time, then also my covenant with my servant David may be broken. It isn't going to happen. It's not going to be broken. If that could happen, then he would not have a son reigning on his throne, and the Levitical priests would not be my ministers. Even as the stars of heaven cannot be counted and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so too I will make the innumerable the descendants of my servant David and the Levites who minister to me. God says this is going to happen. Those covenants are unconditional. Sun will continue to come up, moon will continue to shine, stars will shine. My promise is good. And then I take you to where we are in the Gospels in Luke chapter 21. Jesus is still talking to his disciples. It's still Tuesday. Still Tuesday. We're going through Matthew 24 and 25. I'll get through the end of 24 today. He says, Then there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. This is in Luke 21, verse 25. Then there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and there will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. It's the same thing that he's quoted from Jeremiah. People will faint from fear and expectations of things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, that glory that resides in us. You will see it in the sky when he returns. It says, but when these things begin, remember this, we get, begin when these things begin, we talked about this, when he talked about nations rise up against nations, we talked about the world wars that were happening, World War I, the last two messages that we talked about. When you see these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads 
Because your redemption is near. Your redemption is near. Ron talked about this a little bit about the whole redeeming of ourselves. You know, there's, we live in a state of redemption. We really do. There's a point where uh, you become re- redeemed from the penalty of sin. For me, that was when I was eight years old. I was redeemed as a child because I believed that Jesus was the Son of God and he redeemed me from the penalty of sin. Which is the penalty of sin? For the wages of sin is death. I was freed from that penalty the moment that I believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God, my Savior, my Lord. The moment I believed, I was relieved of the penalty of of sin, which is death. Which means I'm going to live eternally. I'm going to live forever. And then there's another form of redemption that we're living in right now. And that's the redemption of the power of sin. Every day I'm praying for the redemption of the power of sin. When we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, we focused on how Jesus was just like getting hammered with thoughts. Don't go to the cross. Don't go to the cross. Of course Satan didn't want him to go to the cross. Because it would fulfill prophecy. And he knew if he went to the cross, then it's the sign of the end for him. And Jesus is like wrestling with the thoughts, and I wrestle with the thoughts. I shared with our group that went to Israel just some of the struggles that I had in preparation for this trip. Just constantly, I live in a state of redemption for the power of sin. Look, I'm past the penalty of sin. You've got to get past the penalty of sin. That, that was a one-time thing. Jesus died one time on the cross, took care of the penalty of sin. Apama ahat. Is Hebrew for one time. KD asked me to find out what one time in Hebrew was. Apamahahat. One time Jesus died. And he took care of the penalty. He said, now I'm walking here on this face of the earth and in this earth suit and this body. And I struggle with the redemption of the power of sin. But watch this. One day, one day I will live in a different state of redemption. I will live in a redemption period where there is no presence of sin. Won't that be great? When we don't have to, we don't even have to say the word sin. We want, it seems like throughout our faith, we struggle with dealing with sin. I'm, I'm hopefully getting past that point. Hopefully I'm focusing on what Jesus is doing in my life and what he's doing in my family's life and how he lives through me. He lives through me. Yeah, I still sin. Yeah, I still blow it occasionally, but I don't focus on that. I focus on what Christ is doing in me. But one day I will have the redemption where there will be no presence of sin. And that will be a glorious day. And Jesus says, lift your heads up because your redemption is near. And then... I talked about the parable of the fig tree uh, at the end of our last message last time. So let me just read these last few verses in 24. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels or the heaven or the sun, except the Father alone. Jesus is like saying, I don't even know. 
I don't even know when that day is coming. Now, when he's talking about the day that's coming, we know that uh, from several things, when the Antichrist comes and the, the whole tribulation, he's going to sit on the, the Temple Mount three and a half years into the tribulation. And from that day on, you know the end of the tribulation when Jesus actually returns and starts the millennial and all that. That's a whole, it's a whole different discussion. But for the day that he actually returns, and I believe that we'll be taken away. I don't believe that we'll be, we call that the rapture. It doesn't say rapture in the scripture. But there's several references that we can talk about. It says, as the days of Noah were, so were the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. It had never rained before. Never seen rain. They didn't know anything was coming. Noah's like building this ark and they go, what's this crazy man doing? He's like, it's going to get wet here. And they're like looking at him like he's an idiot. And then all of a sudden Noah gets on the ark and it begins to rain and they're like, uh-oh. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. The two men will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding grain in a handmill. One will be taken and one left. He's talking about the rapture here. He's talking about how those that are believers in Jesus Christ will just be taken up with them. And I'm sure there will be some weird explanation for why that happened for all the people that are left behind. When it says it right here, Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known that the time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. Hmm. Makes sense. I've got parents galore that want to protect their kids, that are teaching their kids. Figuring out how do you raise a kid up in their own faith. Understanding what is evident. It's just evident. You take this book right here and you match it with history, world history, and it all makes sense. It's been going on for a long time and it's going to continue to go on just exactly as it says. It is being fulfilled. And yet parents are like, how do you teach, how do you teach your children about it? How do you let them know that it's real? That's one of the reasons I take my kids to Israel. I want them to know it's real. It says, this is why you are also to be ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I jump to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, about the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Now he's talking about the tribulation. He says, the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to take those believers out. He's going to be, the rest will be left, the non-believers. And there's going to be tribulation that takes place. Sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. And then I jump back to close out here. Matthew 24. Who then is faithful and wise servant? Whom his master has put in charge of his household. To give them food at the proper time. 
Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat the fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the servant's masters will come on a day he does not expect them and at an hour he does not know. He will cut them to pieces and assign them a place with the hypocrites. Or they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That last part's pretty rough. But let me go back to the first part. For those who have prepared, for those who have taught their children about Jesus, great things await. And that's my mother. My mother taught me about Jesus. And today I get to say happy Mother's Day to my mom one more time. Teach your kids about Jesus. Teach your kids about Jesus. Show them that he's real. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with that. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the experience of being with these people and just being in a community and knowing that you're absolutely real. And that these things are not just words, but it's reality. And uh, we can see it even today, even tomorrow. Lord, uh, may you become real to the Jews. May they truly understand that you are the Messiah. And I pray that for these, my friends here and their children, that they know that... uh, You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.